Hi everyone, I'm Lee Savaliksik and this is the Artsbound Podcast, where I speak with professionals from across the performing arts industries to capture bits of wisdom, insight, and inspiration for students and young professionals exploring careers in music, theater, and dance. Today I'm speaking with Andre Solomon. Andre holds a Master's of Arts Management degree from Carnegie Mellon University. And he is in the early stages of his career and establishing himself as a highly valuable professional with the organizations that he works for. We are going to talk about how Andre's calling led him to arts management, as well as how his passion for social justice shows up in the work he does. Welcome, Andre. Hello. Thanks so much for, uh, for taking the time to be here with us today and have this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. So uh, you are an arts management professional, and, um, and uh, so am I, um, interestingly enough. And it's, it's kind of funny. That's how you and I um, kind of met and connected is through your work with uh, the Greater Pittsburgh Arts Council and my work with Pittsburgh Youth Course. Um, I'm also pretty new to the field and did not come through um, a degree program the way that you did. And so as I'm learning more about uh, the arts management world, I'm, I'm learning that the, the MAM program, the Master, Masters of Arts Management, is kind of the gold standard um, as far as kind of preparing for a program uh, or a, a career uh, like like the one that you're pursuing, and, and actually a lot of people are in positions like like mine. And um, so I'm curious, could you maybe start by talking to us a little bit about um, why why does a person go into a MAM program, um, and why did you uh, personally? Um, yeah, so I could definitely talk about that. I think people go into it um, for multiple reasons. And the two that I have seen is one, I think we all have to be aware that unfortunately, and this is not just for arts organizations, it's just nonprofits across the board is that we are not given enough support. And so a lot of organizations actually have a lot of um, problems internally. And so I think a lot of people, whether it's in later in their career or in early, like myself, like are going into arts administration because they're seeing some problems that are happening internally that they would like to fix or enhance. Um, so that way, the things that we're churning out to the public are like top notch. I've also seen, um, I don't know if it's a, uh, a resurgence or a new trend, um, probably just because in our current climate um, with artists or people who pursue um, uh, any kind of arts degree, um, Pay is also an issue. And so arts management is kind of a way to financially secure yourself um, while being connected to your undergrad degree or your, your previous um, um, degrees or interests. I know for myself, um, at the end of undergrad, what really led me to do the arts management degree is really just seeing the um, inequities that were happening in the arts, especially in terms of race. Um, I went to music school, I got my flute degree and out of my whole music school, which I think was about near 500, maybe 400 people, um, there was only five, um, black people. Um, and so it kind of made me think about from that moment, thinking of my past and just how many experiences where I got to see people like myself 
especially in the music world, you don't see a lot of male black um, flutists. And so it kind of started my head turning about like, what could I do about that? Because I knew myself and my privilege. And I don't know if that comes from being biracial, being halfway, or just kind of the trajectory that I was on that I was able to get to this uh, position and I wanted more people like myself to be able to get there without having maybe some of the difficulties or hardships that I had to go through. Um, And then also kind of seeing, you know, I want to still be a musician. I still practice regularly Monday through Friday and I wanted to be able to still continue being a musician while being financially stable And I thought that arts management would be a way for me to still pursue my passions. I mean, I guess I would say being in arts management allows me to do that as well, but really allowing myself to be an artist and a manager simultaneously while hopefully having a little financial backing in my pocket. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good for you. How is that going? You say uh, you you practice regularly. Uh, it sounds like almost on a daily basis, and uh, it might be tough now. But do you otherwise? Um, is your daily practice like is that artistically fulfilling to you, or do you also really enjoy getting in front of an audience? Still, do you uh, do you have those chances to perform? Yeah. So I think with COVID, things are different. Um, sure. Uh, just because I wouldn't say I'm a solo artist, even though I'm working on a lot of solo pieces just because of the circumstances, but um, I've always loved group playing. And so I really do miss um, playing with people in group settings. But I think artistically, because I've kind of made it, before I even came into the the program, I told myself that, um, well, maybe I told myself an undergrad because I was first a math education major and okay. so when I transitioned to music, um, I was supported, but kind of also told at the same time, like, this choice is your decision. And that also means financially. And so I kind of told myself, if this is the route I'm going to go, and even in arts management, that I have to make a dedication to my undergrad um, degree. And so I've really kind of spaced out time. I wouldn't say every week is great or every less, um, every session is good, but I really kind of put myself, kind of holding myself accountable to still practice. I take lessons. I'm seeing a teacher. Um, but I think the one thing, I guess, artistically is I'm in practice, but the doing. And I think sometimes that may be the limitation of being an arts manager is that the busyness to actually perform can come up, but I feel pretty fulfilled, but again, COVID. So it's hard to get those, those chances. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I wasn't aware that your, that you came into undergrad as a, as a math education major. Can you talk about that switch? I, a lot of the, the conversations that I have, um, especially for, you know, young people who are still in those kind of student years and making decisions about majors, um, where to study, what to study, uh, they those conversations center around passion, um, around um, 
kind of the narratives that we grow up with about money and about uh, you know work that's worth doing versus uh, work that you know won't support us or um, isn't doing any good in the world or you know there's there's a lot of a lot of stories right that we kind of hear from um, people that we care about and people who care a lot about us and um, I'm wondering if you know like kind of what was the what was the narrative for you in going into math education and then what was you know, leading out of that, the choice to go in the music. So I have, a, I guess I have, I have an interesting story, but that could always be another question or I could talk about that later, but music has always been present in my life. So I have been really lucky that music has been always there. And I've had a family that has supported music and its creative um, passions. And so when I was in uh, high school, I kind of stepped up my game. I got lessons. I started auditioning for stuff and not just for um, colleges, but just like other little competitions. And so I kind of had the mindset that I was going to go um, into music school, but then kind of, which is the sad truth is um, just thinking about myself financially. Um, and I was really thinking about my mom because it was me and my mom at the time. And how could I support her as I got older and it kind of made me switch to math because I knew I really am interested in education, especially the pedagogy. Um, but math has so much, so much that you can do in terms of actuary work or accounting or whatever. Unfortunately, the societal um, money drivers in our countries. Um, but I think what really made that change is one, I wasn't really caring for all the theory in math. So it was just getting to the point where that was getting a little tedious. And then um, I went to this flute day. Um, my university at Syracuse um, hosted like every other year or so and had a really good time playing, felt great. Did It was just a whole day of flute. And um, the people who hosted it were the flute faculty. And they were like, I really think you should audition or try or maybe do some more ensembles. And um, I was really lucky. I didn't have the money to really get lessons um, at that time. But one of the flute faculty, uh, Dana De Janeiro, was really kind enough to just give me lessons and prepare me for the audition for Syracuse for free. So I really owe her a lot. And I don't know. I just kind of got to the point where I was like, do I want to do something that I do like, but it's just for money? Or do I want to do something that I really like? It's going to be hard no matter what. Obstacles are just the reality of life. But doing something I like that no matter what, I'll always be happy with it. And so I just kind of made the decision that I thought passion was more important than money. And people make it work. So right. I had to go through. <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I was kind of talking, you know, about these narratives that we have as far as money is concerned. Of course, of course, there's a narrative and there's also a reality. Um, you know, it sounds like you were in a situation where you like very realistically had to perhaps think about supporting um, your mom as as both of you uh, got older. Um, there's a uh, one of the biggest narratives that I see kind of uh, that spins itself out in a lot of people's stories as they consider a career in the arts is the the starving artist, right? The myth of the starving artist, which um, is like any other mythology, there's truth to it, right? There are people who are out there that like, 
They will do anything to kind of keep pursuing their art. And I actually know some people who I think that that uh, that kind of energetic reality is a part of them and they kind of wouldn't be living their truth if they didn't kind of experience some financial hardship as a part of their art. Um, but I don't think that that has to be the case for everyone. And I think it's a story that scares a lot of people away from something that they're really passionate about. And it sounds like you wrestled with that and and came out on on hopefully the, the side of choosing what really, you know, lights you up and and gives you a sense of vitality. Yeah, I I definitely and I, I, I get that. I get it. I think the. <laughs> The, the more I learn about the world, I, you know, if it's not student loans, it's a credit card. If it's not that, it's a house, it's a car. So it's, I just think like every decision you make, there's positives and consequences. But again, going back to that, do you want to do something just because, or do you want to do something because there's actually, like you actually want to do that? And I think though it can be a naive perspective, but I think as humans, we have an easier time going through obstacles when it's something that we actually care about than stuff that we don't care about. Because if I was doing accounting right now, yeah, maybe I'd be making some money, but I don't know, sitting in the cubicle all day, crunching numbers is not my, my, my thing. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. So talk to us a little bit about what, what you do as an arts manager. Uh, you work uh, for, like I mentioned, the Greater Pittsburgh Arts Council, um, as well as some, some other organizations. So what does that work look like? Um, both big picture, like what are, the, what are the projects and kind of mission that you're pursuing, as well as kind of day-to-day? Yeah, so I work for two places. I'll start with uh, the Greater Pittsburgh Arts Council and on the programs coordinator um, basically, at least what I'm getting from that title is a lot of, um, coordination and facilitation of meetings and groups within, um, the arts council, just making sure everything is in check. So that way the dialogues are actually happening and being monitored. Um, so the big project that I'm doing with that, um, is the working groups, which Lee is, uh, one of our, our heads with the uh, performing arts organizations without venues. And so with that, it's um, really making sure that arts leaders are talking to each other in, in COVID. Um, what I've learned also kind of moving forward um, in this field is that arts organizations um, can be siloed and collaboration doesn't always come together because I think if we're putting money, unfortunately, back on the table, there is a sense of competition with one another. But at least what I've been learning through these meetings um, with these leaders and participants is that the more you understand the people that you're working with in the sector, the more I think you can provide support for your audiences and the public. Um, I think the more we withhold information, um, it's just detrimental because I think we would all say our mission is to advance arts within the community Um, but I think it's been really nice to see people come together, share things, um, be honest and true and vulnerable because this is a really difficult time. And I only have empathy for all the leaders out there trying to just make arts work. Um, 
Beyond that, I do a lot of diversity, equity, accessibility, inclusion. Um, we have Cecile Shellman, who is our representative for that um, department, but I kind of help her with managing the Facebook groups, which is the Racial Coalition, and then the National Arts Administrators of Color, the uh, Pittsburgh chapter. So I kind of look through um, articles and resources to provide um, both the general public and then arts administrators um, in specific. So it's been really interesting to kind of get a lot of racial um, resources and articles, things that I wouldn't actually be monitoring if I wasn't looking for it. So, um, and then also with uh, DAI, I'm working um, to create a Black Arts Action Committee. Um, so it's going to be a little subset committee where there's one person on the actual board. And I think GPAC is really trying to make a commitment to enhancing uh, the Black arts within the Pittsburgh community because as we see, there's just, um, again, that uh, inequality. Um, and then the last thing I'm doing there is I'm working for, um, I'm working with Wolf Brown um, and this is kind of in tandem with the working groups, but just to make sure that we're, we're looking at audience um, data in terms of COVID and how audience members want to return, how they want to interact with arts organizations during this time. Um, and it's been really nice to kind of see that people do want to come back. They still want to spend money, but everyone is kind of at a standstill because arts is heavily um, dominated by older individuals and those are the most um, at risk. And so it's just that barrier that I think the arts organizations have to continue and work upon. And then another organization that I'm working for is Creative Generation as a community engagement specialist. And so Creative Generation is, um, is a group working on arts education, but more so advocacy and policy, um, making sure that, make, supporting the arts really. Um, this is a group based out of DC, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're really good, really um, led by Jeff Poulin. Um, I was very lucky to have him as a teacher and that formed that relationship to kind of get into this role. Um, but some of the things that I'm doing is I'm working on an anti-racist um, podcast called We Can't Go Back, which is in collaboration with uh, Courtney J. Body, who lives in Brooklyn. And it's been really inspiring for me because um, uh, as a mixed person who grew up in a white household. Um, I am actually a little bit not, not naive, but ignorant on a lot of topics on race. Like, of course I'm black, so I know things about race, but a lot of things that don't get brought up with arts and racial, um, issues. Um, with that, I'm, uh, video editing and writing the blogs for each episode right now. We just released, um, episode 15, which is really inspiring talking about how, people who work in diversity, equity, accessibility, inclusion are supposed to be guides of the labor and not actually doing the labor themselves because it's the people they're working with that really needs to do the work. Um, alongside that, I do a lot of community interviews and kind of engagement in terms of Art Place America as they're sunsetting. They're looking at creative youth development, seeing how um, BIPOC organizations are handling um, mentorship, especially with adult youth pairs. Um, also, um, with the Artistic Literacy Consortium in Alabama, they're looking on how to reshape their whole structure and really engaging with um, their audiences and participants in an intentful and meaningful way. And then the last thing that I kind of do is um, I'm working with conferences. One of them was the Berkeley Institute for Arts Education and Special Needs, um, the ABLE Assembly, and then the Art School Network. And again, I'm uh, just video editing. Um, so luckily I had some of those skills before getting into that role. 
Um, so those are my two roles. And uh, honestly, as probably any nonprofit arts person wearing multiple hats and doing multiple things, but though it can get hectic, I surprisingly like it because I don't actually like staying in one thing. Um, you know, that art artist arts manager mindset. I just sure. like being all over. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah. And it sounds like, uh, you've got your hand in a lot of, um, really interesting projects and, um, you know, even if you, you say just video editing, um, and that's kind of a, a creative thing in an all, all in in itself. And, um, and so you're, you know, what I've come to understand is that, you know, people doing the, the work that you're doing are, first of all, like the work wouldn't happen without it. Um, and, and that, you know, to hear you speak about it and to hear you speak about the things that you're really passionate about, you can tell as you uh, kind of roll through this this catalog of projects that you're involved in that there are things that you feel really strongly about and um, that that are interesting to you. And it sounds like your background in math is probably helping with all of the, the, the data that you work with and everything. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. So um, would you say... So let's say there is a young person listening to this um, this podcast and they are thinking about a career in music or maybe some, you know, maybe it's theater, maybe it's dance and but not sure about performance. Um, uh, fortunately, they have the chance to hear you tell your story and, and learn that arts management is a thing. Cause like you and I talked about before we started recording, you know, when you and I were each in high school at, at even at kind of different times, we weren't aware that this field even really necessarily existed. And I, I think that that awareness is changing, uh, you know, even in undergraduate programs that maybe only had performance or music ed degrees, um, they're starting to starting to see, you know, arts management minors and other things like that emerge. But um, what would you suggest um, in terms of like as they assess as they assess the, the field against who they are as a person? What would you say? Like, is there anything in terms of like a, a disposition that really kind of lends itself to do this work? Or, um, you know, you have to you have to be really tolerant of this because this kind of thing that could be a pet peeve happens all the time. Or, you know, what, what are those things? Yeah. So I would definitely say um, I really suggest um, anyone who wants to do arts management should obviously start as an artist um, because the arts management degree is basically like an MBA of arts. Mm -hmm. So at least when I worked at the cultural trust, great organization, I really had a good time as an uh, intern in arts education. But what I saw is that a lot of people within that organization were more business minded. And so you kind of forget about the artist and so that's another kind of big push for me to continue working as an artist, being a musician, because, you know, if you're making a decision on pay and, you know, the, the numbers or the budget says, okay, only a thousand, but, and you kind of forget about, okay, maybe transportation or this, you have to buy their own stuff. And you kind of sometimes can get so tr uh, lost in the, 
uh, the financials that you actually forget about the human being. So I would definitely say if you're going to be in this work, really put yourself in that artist mindset. And then also you have to be committed to really helping people, I think, and really committed to the organization as a whole. Like, I don't know. I guess I would, I think any kind of nonprofit or public facing role, you kind of have to just become selfless. Obviously like you, you should be selfish. You, I'm selfish for arts management because I'm like, oh, I can see shows or I get to work for things behind the scenes or conferences. I get free perks. But at the same time, it's like, you know, uh, last week I was working on video editing and it's a lot for this um, one conference we had. And I was like, oh, you know, next video, next video. But then I got to do the closed captioning for it and actually got to listen um, to the speaker talk about uh, Generation Z and that just kind of breaking down because I think a lot of people look at Generation Z with a disdain just because they act differently and the, how the way they talked about film and Generation Z is that there's different ways of existing and there's different ways of um, doing the arts. And so kind of what you were talking about, I think there's a lot of ways if it's not arts management to be involved in the arts. So thinking about music, you have performance, you have arts education. Now you have new things like commercial music, uh, 21st century music, uh, uh, music therapy. And so at least what I got out of arts management too, was that there's an endless amount of things you can do that we don't necessarily think of because we're such at that standard of, okay, if you're a musician or you're, uh, um, an actor or artist that you just do the performance art of it. There's, there's like, it's that most that trajectory or you be a teaching artist or an ex, um, educator. Um, so I think don't limit yourself. Like if you become a musician and you want to work um, in architect, take an architecture class to learn a little bit about urban uh, design um, do it. I think that's what's kind of helped me a little bit, um, especially because I got my uh, minors in education and math, was all this cross-pollination really helped me figure out that there isn't one way of doing something. Hmm. That answers the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And I love what you said about starting out as an artist. I uh, Coming from um, a public school education background, I always admired the principals, um, who, the school principals who continued to teach. Uh, and I, I knew several who, you know, they taught one, you know, they taught 40 minutes a day, um, maybe just for one semester or something like that. But it, it kept their perspective of what it meant to be a teacher in the classroom fresh uh, so that they don't kind of become removed and just think about initiatives and, you know, and budgets and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so what about um, the, the kind of the other side of that question? Let's say someone is has made a decision to pursue um, a career in arts management and maybe they're looking at degree programs. Um, what would you, you know, we can all be kind of biased to the program that we went to. Um, so you, you might say, you know, go to CMU or look for a program just like this, but um, kind of 
stepping back a little bit, what are the things that you felt were a part of your training that you now find especially valuable as you get yourself started in the industry? Yeah. So I definitely, um, and maybe I'll get like some email, they'll find out I said this, but like, um, don't just think about CMU. It seems like it is the staple, but you know, when I was looking for schools, um, there's Drexel, there was New York, um, New York University, um, Columbia College in Chicago. So there's definitely a lot of um, options. I think the best piece of advice, though, when looking for degrees or trying to think about pursuing an arts management degree is unless you've had ex- unless you've had experience in the field um you really should go to a program where it's experience based learning not research and theory um for example teachers college in columbia university um in new york city theirs is so focused on um um the rhetoric and theory that you don't really get a chance to for example at cmu you do assistance project where you work with a client you get um, you get to be a consultant. And so really, and as, as I've seen a lot of undergraduate um, graduate school direct line um, in this kind of work, really think about a program that is experience-based. Um, and so I guess the things that kind of, if I'm getting the question right, prepared me to be an arts manager, right? Sure, yeah. Um, so at least, again, talking about this whole idea of that the arts doesn't have to just be, a, be performing or teaching. Um, you have the operate, you have the opportunity to work in operations, advocacy, financials, community engagement, public art. And so that flexibility made me a little bit more confident and secure in terms of, especially as the arts being kind of financially deficit, a place space. Um, it allowed me to think, okay, maybe I don't work at a music organization, but I actually get to work in government, um, urban design where public art is my focus and getting more people to interact with their community. Um, I also think my program at least at least at CMU really taught us to scrutinize the arts. Um, even if it was financials or the people that were serving, um, I think they were very clear um, and transparent with us that the arts does need a lot of work and that we are the future to making better change. Um, And yeah, I definitely, it was a very well-rounded program, especially in terms of data um, and the arts. And so maybe running around in circles, but Again, this whole like idea of cross-pollination and um, cross-relationships that the arts doesn't have to be defined by what society thinks that we have to do, but we actually have the power, if willing, to combine ourselves in any space that we think is possible. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you. Um, any, any last thoughts? Really, you know, you want to put your 100%. You want to show that passion. And again, I think in even being an artist or arts manager, it's all about passion. And so continue to put your 100% in there. But at the same time, really try to make and form meaningful connections. Um, As it was really hard finding a job in the COVID, um, I wouldn't be where I was 
I don't think is if I tried to be a good person to the people who had now hired me um, at GPAC. I was an intern and at Creative Generation. I just joke up conversation with my teacher about next steps and things worked out. Um, I also would say, I know we talked about a little bit financial, um, but hey, if there's a way, you know, you want to be an artist or an arts manager, but you can take some classes at community college to make some burdens go down. Sometimes I wish I did that or work study or sometimes even just talking to the departments or financial, um, uh, you know, the financial department or bursar um, department, because there was a lot of times um, where I, funds were tough and especially supporting myself um, solely, I had to talk to people to kind of get support and make things happen. And I think a lot of times we're, we're scared to ask those questions because we just assume they're going to be no. But there have been a few times where I made my case, I was honest and transparent and people helped. So don't count yourself out of the arts because there are people who are willing to help you and try to make it work. And hey, even in COVID, we're still surviving. So um, if we can all do it, I know that you can do it too. And that sounds cheesy, but I do believe in that. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, like they say, the answer to every question you don't ask is always no. And um, yeah, you've got to be an advocate for yourself. And, um, And I think that, you know, I think that there are more people that are seeing that. We're kind of coming through a time when there was a lot of uh, kind of leaning on, you know, uh, I'm sure that I'm sure that these people are going to kind of show me the, the, the path and the right way to go. And if I just listen and if I just do kind of the, you know, what's laid out for me, um, I'll get to where I should be. Um, and I think that we're kind of starting to see see some of the holes in that line of thinking and starting to realize that we have to we have to be a little more self-reflective to say, you know, here's this path that's laid out in front of me, but is it really the one that I want to walk? Is it really going to take me to a place that's going to be fulfilling for me? Um, and also, uh, you know, just developing that sense of confidence just to say, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to ask people um, I'm going to show that I really care about what I'm doing. Like you said, no matter what you're doing, passion is the bottom line. And when people see that, um, I think that they can't help but to be inspired themselves. And then, and then they want to say yes, right? Yeah. I, yeah. And um, I think we're just coming into, I mean, COVID helped, but we're just coming into a world, um, COVID and Gen Z, where people aren't just, they're not afraid to say what's up. And if it's pay or if it's free um, interns or if it's um, intentful uh, community engagement with people, like I think we're in this space now where things are being put on the spotlight. And though it's a difficult time where we have to reflect and grow and build, um, it's also really... Um, nice because I think the future of the arts will be more um, 
I don't want to say inclusive, but just more um, this kind of idea of interdependence where mm. all the relationships have to work together um, to create something, something good. Cause if one person isn't benefiting, then are you doing the work? And so I, I, I think we are headed in the right direction where people are, people want more meaning in the arts, not to just be showy. Hmm. Well, thanks, Andre. This has been awesome. A big thank you to Andre Solomon for being on the show today. If you are someone who is considering what your next steps might be in a career in music, theater, or dance, and would like to learn more about how coaching might be a benefit to you, visit artsboundcareerdesign.com. Chris Lidecker composes our music. I'm Lee Savalixic. Thanks for listening.